1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to begin our reading at verse 18. Nothing but the cross. Look to the person next to you. Say, nothing but the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Skipping down to verse 22. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Father God, I pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say. I ask that you'd anoint my lips and anoint these words so that I could be your spokesman as they go forth. May they find a good place within our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to be honest with you, when I read those last two verses, in a natural sense, I find those last two verses ironic. The Apostle Paul is a brilliant man. Brilliant. He is gifted with an incredible mind for reasoning, for debating, has an incredible sense of understanding about God and his word. The Apostle Paul had this very high standard of personal discipline. And he also had a very high standard of morals. Remember, whenever he gave his account of what he was, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, No, he was uh, born of this tribe, and and he was a Pharisee, and he goes through all of his uh, credentials, as it were, and, and it says in regard to the law, faultless. Paul lived a moral life before his conversion to Jesus Christ. Paul was an extremely disciplined guy. He'd be one of those guys who you would say who gets up at like Four o'clock in the morning, spends about two hours a day doing prayer and devotions. He'd be the type of guy who, during that period of time, also goes out and flosses his teeth every morning. He would be the type of guy who, every morning, would go out and run 10 miles. 
and exercise. And then by 6.30, he'd already be at work. Just an incredibly disciplined guy. But he determined that he was not going to rely upon any of that. He wasn't going to rely upon this incredible mind that God had given him. He wasn't going to rely upon his debating skills or his reasoning skills or his, this understanding and insight that God had given him. He wasn't going to teach people that. He wasn't going to teach people about discipline. Now, I know this. If you're going to be successful in anything in life, you desperately need to be disciplined. Surely Paul is going to teach him about discipline. I'm not going to teach him about discipline. I'm not going to focus upon them about morals because obviously these people needed to know about morals and surely Paul is going to teach them about that. Paul says, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ. I'm not going to rely upon anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. When Paul came to Corinth, Corinth was one of the most immoral cities in all of the Roman Empire. Corinth was a... It was like a shipping town. It was on an isthmus or a land bridge. And sailors from all over the world would come there. And they would dock their ships on one side. They would transport the, their goods to the other side of Corinth. They would load them back up on another ship and it would save them a long time on their journey. This town had 26 temples to these idolatrous gods. And so much of their worship involved sexual immorality, all kinds of just weird, crazy stuff. You know, they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Corinth would make Vegas blush, okay? I mean, Corinth was one of the most despicable, evil cities that there was. And when Paul came to Corinth, it wasn't with brilliant wisdom. It wasn't with the power of discipline or with moral principles that he proclaimed. His message was the power of the cross. And you know, today a lot of times we want to tell people what to do and what not to do. We want to sometimes just line up a list of do's and don'ts. And I know that there's things I'm supposed to do, and I know that there's things that I'm not, but that does not have the power to transform someone's lives. Paul came to preach. He came to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He came to preach that Jesus Christ was the power of God and Jesus Christ was the wisdom of God. Listen to what he said earlier in this chapter in verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power found only in the cross is what Paul wanted the Corinthians to experience and to understand. That's what he wanted them to understand, this power that comes only in the cross. When Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, he wasn't talking about doctrine. He was talking about an experience. Paul wanted the Corinthians to fully experience the power of the cross in their everyday lives. Inevitably, if you are born again today, if you are a Christian and Jesus Christ lives in your life, all of us had to have an experience where we came to the foot of the cross. You cannot be born again. 
You cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus. You cannot have any hope of eternal life unless you at some point along the way have come to the foot of the cross. And at the foot of the cross, the Holy Spirit opens up our understanding so that you see the truth. If you haven't seen this, then you do not have eternal life. If you've never experienced the cross, then you are not secure in your relationship with God. But when you come to the foot of the cross, there the Holy Spirit opens up a man or a woman's understanding, and they understand this truth, that I'm a sinner, and I'm lost, and I'm hopeless. I'm in desperate need of a Savior. I cannot do this on my own. Somebody else needs to rescue me. And we understand that Jesus is the one who died upon the cross for my sins. By faith, we accept this truth that this was God's plan. This was God's purpose. This was God's way of providing salvation for me. And you know, everything changes at the foot of the cross. Your heart receives what you may have heard or thought you knew in your head. Because there's a long ways between here and here. This may be the longest distance in all of the world, the distance between what we know in our head and what we experience in our heart. Paul says this, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Paul says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When it talks about, one of the things that you'll hear Paul saying, he'll talk about being in Christ. When it talks about being in Christ, what it's talking about is a union that provides eternal life for us. In 1 John chapter 5, if you want to turn there, verses 11 through 12, John says this. John says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Paul says that being in Christ means that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything is transformed at the foot of the cross. You know, you go from being guilty to being forgiven. You go from being condemned to being accepted. And you go from being unrighteous to being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he no longer sees some of those things that are implanted on your mind. Some of you know that liar, thief, adulterer, bigot, jealous, all of those things that whenever you come into church, you know them. Those ones when you come into church, And it's time to worship. And as you start to worship, these memories come into your mind. Who are you to raise your hands? You're a hypocrite. Did you ever have those thoughts? Who are you to praise the Lord? Who are you to respond? You're not real. The enemy brings all of those things, but I want you to understand this. That when you've come to the cross... When the Heavenly Father looks down, he does not see any of those things. You know what he sees? When you are in Christ, 
He sees the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The word says that's what we have become, that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. So God does not see all of those things that you may have been a thief, you may have been a liar, you may have been an alcoholic, you may have been a drug addict, you may have been an immoral person, and God does not see that anymore. He sees the righteousness of his son. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says this. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now Paul identifies himself with Jesus in his death. And you and I too must consider the old man dead. Now here's where the challenge is. And the challenge is, is we read scriptures like this and we look at ourselves and we say, wait a minute. Um, the old man's still alive. Because he kind of spoke to me in my ear this morning. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Well, wait a minute. I accepted Christ into my life, and there's some things that don't seem like they're new. Let me say this again. The cross is just not a doctrine that we discuss or debate. The cross is a fact to be experienced. It's something that you and I need to experience. We need to experience the cross. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us, Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you see this connection? Paul writes, if he died for all, then we who by faith died with him must never live again for ourselves. If we truly understand the cross, if we go through this process of being crucified with Christ, then how can we simply go on living the way that we lived before? We must no longer live for ourselves, but we need to now, from this point on, we live for him. The cross in the Christian life does something very radical. And the more you learn and the more you understand and the more you place yourself at the foot of the cross, the more impossible it is for you to live your life for yourself. Once we understand and embrace the cross, this selfishness, this self-centered life is no longer an option for us. You may ask the question, well, pastor, why isn't it an option anymore? Because of what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen to verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. There is a link. He's saying, if you can gain righteousness through obeying the law and heeding what the law says then Jesus died in vain. There was no purpose in his dying. His death was useless. His death was a a farce. Listen, there's a link between being crucified with Christ and being indwelt and empowered by the risen Lord. When you stand at the foot of the cross and by faith accept what Jesus did, the spirit of the Lord comes and you know what he does? He says, he'll come and make his abode within us. 
that my body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit and your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just like in the Old Testament, remember there was the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt. He says, my glory will rest there above the ark between the wings of the cherubim. That's where my glory will dwell. Well, do you know where God's glory dwells? On the day that you accepted him, the day that you stood at the foot of the cross and you looked up and you recognized that I am a sinner I am hopeless, I can't change this, I can't get out of this, there's no way else for me. Jesus, I know that you died for me, it becomes a reality. The Spirit of God comes and he lives and dwells within you. At that point, God's Spirit comes and he makes his abode within us. And now you have Jesus Christ living out his life through you. You know what he's doing? He's guarding you. He's keeping you. He's guiding you. He's giving you daily victory over sin. And he's filling your life with his life. It is futile to try to live your life apart from full dependence upon the life of Christ that's found in the cross. You can go ahead and try it, and you're going to be a frustrated, disappointed churchgoer. You're going to be living in defeat. You're going to be saying, this Jesus stuff, I tried it, it didn't work for me. I tried it, it, I, uh, it doesn't seem to work. It's futile to try to live out this life apart from the power of the cross. Now, I want you to think about Paul. Let's go back to Paul in this situation. Paul goes into the most, probably one of the most immoral cities of his day. These people's lives, they were so far from God. There probably half of them were controlled by demonic forces. There was so much idolatry. 26 temples, can you imagine how many demonic forces as people are going in there to worship these other gods? Can you imagine the spiritual climate of this area? And Paul refuses to go in with mere human wisdom. Paul refused to go in arguing. Now, these were Paul's gifts. Like, if you looked at Paul, you would say, well, Paul, you can reason with these people. You have a brilliant mind. God gave you that brilliant mind. Just reason with them and they'll respond. He refused to do it there. He wasn't coming in debating. He wasn't coming in there and necessarily arguing with them. He said, I'm not going to know anything but the cross. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Paul refused to rely. Paul had this incredible sense of personal discipline. He had this pedigree of all the things that he had done and he hadn't done. He was filled with zeal, the scripture says about Paul, when he gives his pedigree. Yet Paul refuses to rely upon any of that. What does he rely upon? He relies upon the cross and the power that's in the cross. Remember the Galatians, when Paul goes to him, he has to correct the Galatians because what they've done is they started out in the spirit and then they tried to accomplish these things through simply the keeping of the law. As we conclude, this is what I want to say to you. Don't get away from the cross. Well, pastor, that's, pastor, I'm spiritually mature. I've been doing the school of ministry classes and I got it down. I teach Sunday school. Pastor, I've been saved for 25 years. I've been saved for 30 years. I've been a member of the church for 50 years. 
Don't get away from the cross. Don't stray from the foot of the cross. Because you remember the day that you came to Jesus? You were totally dependent upon him. You came to a point where you said, dude, I can't do this. I cannot do this on my own. I'm a sinner. I need God's help. I can't. I cannot do this. You surrendered, and what happens? God's spirit came in and filled you. He made his boat in you. But unfortunately, what happens sometimes is it seems like we want to get away from the cross. We think, well, no, I'm going to add something to it. I know what I'll do. I'll rely upon my studying. You need to study. The word says that you show yourself approved. You need to do your studying. You need to be disciplined. It's great to have wisdom and knowledge, but don't rely upon those things. You can never go wrong staying at the foot of the cross. You can never go wrong. You can never go wrong at that place where you stay and you say, God, I am depending upon you. I'm trusting in you. I'm relying on you. Can I tell you why? Because if you rely upon your personal discipline, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Your personal discipline. How's that working for you? You make your list. Here's what we do. We make our list of rules and things that we're going to do to kind of protect ourselves from falling into sin. And those things are good. Those are wonderful. We have certain guidelines. You know what I do? I build guardrails around my life to keep me from sinning. I would call that wisdom. But I can't trust in those things. Because you know what we'll do? We, in our flesh, will climb over those guardrails. Uh, Some of you have probably been doing that. We climb over the guardrails, we scale the fence, and we go over the next fence to kind of get at what we want. I can't rely upon those guardrails that I build, those security things that I build in my life to keep me from sinning. What can I rely upon? I can rely upon the power that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells inside of me as a believer. I can trust completely that God is going to change me from the inside out. I hope like the apostle Paul that you'll determine to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That you'll trust in nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That you won't trust in your wisdom, your knowledge. That you'll not trust in the discipline of your life that you'll not rely upon mere morality because all of these are inadequate to deal with the sinfulness and the depravity of man. God dealt with it once and for all in the cross. And I want to say this, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus triumphed over every one of them. And he says, because I live, you can live also. Next week, we're going to be talking about the power of the cross that brings victory. See, the victory's already been won. The victory's already been won for you. It's already been accomplished, and when we stay in Christ, it's ours. It's when we get out of, from under that covering of being in Christ, it's when we try to do it on our own that we begin to lose the victory. But the victory has already been won for us in the cross. My friend, don't rely upon anything else. Crystal picked that song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You cannot go wrong by trusting in the righteousness of God. 
You cannot go wrong by depending completely and solely upon the work of Jesus Christ. You can't go wrong when you keep yourself at the foot of the cross. As we close, I just want to say this to you. And as we close, I want to just ask you this. Two things. Have you been trying to people who are born again? Jesus Christ dwells in your heart. Have you been trying to live out your faith on your own? Have you made up like your list of things that we I'm going to do and I'm not going to do? And yet you keep feeling like you're falling. It's miserable. It's not working for you. Man, this stinks. God, you know I love you. And, and then we try to work it out ourselves. If you've been doing that, in just a minute, we're going to open up our altars. And this is what we're going to ask you to do. Some of you need to go back to the foot of the cross. That place where you're just overwhelmed by, oh, God, you love me. You know, when you get married, like when you get married, why you get married? Because I love this girl. I love this man. Then after you've had him for a while, you're kind of like, I still love you. (laughs) But he gets on my nerves, right? I love him, but he gets on my nerves. I got to do this and I got to do that because it's the right thing. How about if you just fall back in love? And God's calling you today. For some of you, you've gotten off. You're born again. Jesus lives in your heart. But you've lost sight of the cross. And you just want to kneel at the cross one more time. Other thing. There might be some folks here today who you don't know Jesus Christ. Or in your relationship with him, you become so distant you've become so distanced that the relationship is non-existent. The Holy Spirit is calling you today. He's asking you when you come home. Well, pastor, I've made a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of water under the bridge. It doesn't matter. His grace is absolutely more than enough for you. Oh man, I've blown it. I don't know if he'd want me. I don't know if he'd want me. Do you, you know what I've done, Pastor? Do you know how I've hurt him? Well, the crazy thing about love is that it keeps calling even when you have offended him. And the greatest offense to God is that you would not accept what Jesus did. He's done it all. And what he asked, and his righteousness will be credited to you if by faith you'll receive it. We're going to pray. You know the two reasons to respond today. You may have your own reason. If you have another reason, you can respond as well. But if you want to kneel at the cross, maybe it's been a long time since you've been there. What I found is that there's something very powerful, something very symbolic as we step out. And we want to find a place at the cross today. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness your grace and your love. I thank you for calling us. Lord, I, on behalf of your people, I apologize for the times that we've taken our eyes off the cross, the times we've tried to do this on our own or try to add to or take from what you have said. Lord, I pray that you would bring us this morning once again to the foot of the cross where everything's made new, where power is released, Lord. There's a transaction. I give you my garbage and my junk, and you give me the righteousness of God. 
in Christ Jesus. And you fill me with your spirit and with your life. I pray that as people step out today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would simply speak to their hearts and to their minds. I pray that if you've spoken to them, I pray that they wouldn't leave without allowing you to accomplish your work within them. In the name of Jesus.